All right, guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the major sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the highest quality ingredients on the market along with the best tasting products. You guys can head to unifyactive.com and use the code DJK10 to get 10% off all products on the website. So that's DJK10 at unifyactive.com to save 10% on all products with Unify Health Supplements. Let's get stuck into the show. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. All right, guys, welcome back to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I am super fortunate and grateful today to be sitting down with Dr. Hamil Patel, uh, who is presenting at the Dr. Joe Dispenza week-long advanced meditation retreat at the moment up here in the Sunshine Coast which has been unbelievable and you guys will get to hear a bit of a rundown and a summary of the takeaways from the week and my experience. But um, Dr. Hamill, firstly, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Mate, I have been absolutely blown away by some of the data you've been showing this week throughout the retreat um, and we'll get to that in a second. But firstly, for the audience, are you able to just give us a quick rundown on, I guess, a bit about yourself and how you um, ended up working with Dr. Joe in the first place? Obviously, I was fortunate to sit through your presentation the other day where we got a rundown of how that all came about. But for a scientist to be working so closely with someone like Dr. Joe um, is, is awesome and a lot of research is happening now, which is incredible. How did that all come about? Yeah. Um, so I've been a faculty member at the University of California, San Diego for 20 years now. I started as a postdoctoral fellow. So this is once you get your PhD, you have to you know get your chops and all this stuff. So a couple yeah. of years and then you get your faculty appointment. Um, I started in front of card-carrying pharmacologist, right? I study drugs, how they behave, what they do to the body, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in the pharmacology department. Uh, once we were in San Diego, my, my wife and I decided that this was a place that we wanted to stay. So I moved to the Department of Anesthesiology as a faculty member. And in academia, you know, it's all about publications, but it's also a lot about money. And so within Mm. six months of moving to anesthesia, I had my first big grant through the NIH. Within six months of that, I had a second big grant. And so they kept me on and I've stayed there ever since. And now I'm a full professor and the vice chair of research. When you say, sorry to interrupt, yeah. when you say big grant, can you give us an idea of what so, those and, numbers are looking So on? National Institutes of Health, the big um, sort of funding is uh, $250,000 a year for five years at a time, right? So mm. a million to 1.25 million yeah. is, is a big grant. Yeah. Um, and a couple of those. So really large programs that we were able to do. Uh, My first grant focused on how the membrane communicates with mitochondria to create stress adaptation. And this is where my sort of love affair with mitochondria and energy started. And if you think about it, right, everything in life is about energy and how you move it, how you produce it, how you utilize it, and how you can optimize it. Um, And and this is really what we've been studying from the, the start of systems that we were looking at. Most of the work was done in cells and smaller rodent species that every scientist works with because you can manipulate their genetics till the cows come home kind of thing. Um, 
when I moved to anesthesia, I had to share an office with an MD. We were doing this weird experiment where if you put a PhD in a room with an MD, at the end of the day, would you rub off on each other and start collaborating on unique ideas? So Toby this Mueller, is a genuine experiment. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. like a faculty experiment, yeah. right? And so Toby Muller Bertram, who's a, an MD, PhD, a pain anesthesiologist, and I shared an office for almost a decade. We became really good friends, but we didn't work on anything together. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he left and started his own clinic in the Palm Desert area. Uh, now it's some mega lith of, of pain clinics. I think it's like 18 clinics that he's running um, wow. that are integrated. When the opioid crisis hit, the concern was how do you manage pain without giving everyone pills and getting them addicted and having mm-hmm. them ultimately die? So there was someone in his clinic, a practitioner who was using meditation, and it was a Joe Dispenza practitioner. And they started experimenting with this, and they saw some interesting responses. Toby then went to a Joe Dispenza event, was blown away, right? He saw people walking out of wheelchairs and and cancer being cured. And it's like, this is the hand of God. Yeah. Um, And he went up to Joe and said, we need to study this. And Joe's like, I know. (laughs) And Toby's like, I know the guy. And so our 10 years of being friends and sitting in an office, he remembered all the weird stuff we do in my lab. And so he made the connection. And so that's how we got introduced to Joe. Um, the first synchronicity. Yeah, yeah. Three years ago, I had no idea who Joe Dispenza was. Yeah. Um, and we did this initial ex- series of experiments um, at an Indian Wells event that he ran in February of 2020. Uh, then the pandemic hit and everything sort of shut down. So I'd sort of gotten one meeting with Joe and then sort of went our separate ways. And then the pandemic hit. Every couple months, he would send an email saying, hey, man, have you looked at any of those samples? I'm like, what are you talking about? I have other things I got to, I mean, lots of other grants and other things to focus on. We finally started looking at his samples, and it was mind-blowing. I mean, the data sets that we were generating, we've never been able to generate in other systems. And so then you had to look, right? And so then I went to my first event, got went through the experience, and the research over the last, seems like 20 years we've been doing this, but it's been two and a half years, has just exploded. Man, that's absolutely crazy. So something that, that really stuck out, I think, to most of the audience the other day is when you mentioned that, or well, I can't remember if it was you or someone else was mentioning that, you know, you, you often hear about mindfulness and obviously you just spoke about just that just then. And there's a, there's a big difference between mindfulness and the work that Dr. Joe is doing, but a lot of the time it's it's kind of seems case by case or almost uh, subjective in terms of results and outcomes and you hear some really crazy stories but then you also go, eh, yeah, maybe it works for you but yeah. this is all a bit of woo-woo shit. Right. So when you've got a scientist that's willing to research it and then getting blown away by the data, yeah. that's when things start to get yeah. really interesting. So what are some of the – you mentioned the markers that were blowing you away. What are some of the things that are being tracked and – what are they a result of? So just to give the listeners an idea of some of the work that's going into getting these results. Yeah. So one of the things we do in my lab is we try to do unbiased science, right? And so the idea is what is the absolute maximum amount of data we can capture on an individual? And then let's have someone who's not a human look at that data, right? Computer systems and machine learning algorithms and AI take large amounts of data and find patterns in them. And so the initial thought was we would do Garmin's, which would give mm-hmm. you, you know, it's an academic sort of 
stable that everyone uses for research. Yep. They open their system up. We can capture data from them and do all kinds of analysis. Um, and then we were doing health surveys, which is most studies stop at health surveys in this space, right? They'll, they'll see if you feel good, if your diseases are tra- treated, and, mm-hmm. and then that's it. And that's what they'll report out into these psychological, mental, those kinds of things. Yeah. They're validated surveys, but that's the end. We wanted to capture not only what you perceive as your health and your change, but also does your biology track with that? And so the initial study was um, the quantum level study, which we did Marco Island, January of 2022, Garmin health surveys. And then for the biological capture, we asked the they could voluntarily give us a microbiome sample Mm -hmm. to look at their changes in their gut microbiome before and after the event. And also cheek scrape because we would look at DNA changes and epigenetics yeah. and things by the beef before and after. Mm-hmm. And the microbiome data, I mean, we were thinking maybe 100 people would sort of think, okay, I'll do it. Yep. The rest would be like, that's really gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got 800 match samples before and after from that group, which is insane. That's insane, you yeah. You never get that, that l- level of numbers. Then when we started looking at these, um, the the design of that quantum study was because of what the community wanted, right? Mm-hmm. We would do these deep phenotyping where we do blood draws and garments and surveys and saliva and microbiome and all these big things where you could only recruit 20, 30 people because it involved brain imaging and scanning and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And so people who didn't get picked were really upset. And so quantum opened, this, opened the gates, right? Anyone who wanted to be in a study could be in a study, mm-hmm. and you just hand out these things. Um, the grandmas were really hard to get technologically advanced, right? You had yeah. to download a couple apps, yeah. hook those apps <laughs> up. But we had an amazing team that integrated all this, and the data capture was just phenomenal. Um, and so the, the concept is large amounts of data in large groups of people to make these bold claims about how this process is evolving. Yeah. And this is what I think you need and what's been lacking. Yeah, for sure. And that's a big significant difference from some subjective information through a survey. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like we were just presenting now, right? We've done studies in almost 4,000 people last year uh, in doing one intervention, right? They're going through a week-long experience and we look at every aspect of their brain physiology, their heart physiology, their body molecular biology, and it gives you a real insight into how this event is changing their behavior. One of the things we would love to do is start to dissect this experience out. I mean, you've, you've gone through it this week, right? Yeah. There's an element of breath. There's an element of relaxation. There's an element of the, the mystical. Mm-hmm. How do you, which one of those really is necessary is yeah. or do you need all of them to happen at the same time? Mm, that's interesting. To a certain extent, I think it is the experience of the week that does this because we've, we've got some data to suggest that the, the individual evolves into the group by the end of the week and that group dynamic creates an energy and a power and a, a transformation, yeah. right? And so we're trying to look at the, the nuts and bolts of that. Before we, because uh, I, I want to be mindful of your time, but also I'd love to touch on some of this coherent healing stuff, which we've been talking about today. And that has just blown me away. And, yeah. you know, we were fortunate enough to do our first healing session last night. And and I know because I've I've been in these shoes before. When you hear coherent healing and people meditating and healing other people, you're just thinking, what the fuck's going on? Like this, this can't be legit. Yeah, right? this is crazy, right? Yeah. Um, but the data, again, is just crazy to back it up. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is, 
with all this data that's coming out and the research that's being done, just so the listeners have a really good understanding or at least some insight into what is actually changing um, biologically throughout the week for these people at their retreats and that are ongoing with Dr. Joe's work, like what are some of the changes that you are starting to see or that um, you've been surprised with? We see that their uh, microbiome is shifting, right? Um, Lots of research now is focused on how the gut can regulate the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. Very little research is focused on how your pattern of thinking can change the behavior of a gut. And this is one of the the things I think that, that Joe teaches at his event, that you are the master of your thoughts. And what happens in our world is that we let the world take over and we fall into this routine. Past we, conditioning and right, whatnot. Right, yeah. We wake up in the morning, we drink our cup of coffee, we check our email. Those emails have the same stressors. Mm-hmm. And we're pissed off the rest of the day. And you're like, why am I pissed off at yeah. the end of the day? And then you just start this process all over again. Mm-hmm. And so it's this this subconscious program that becomes this conscious program, right? And you're you're driven by this series of events in your life. And one of the things that then happens is you lose track of your past and your future. Everything blends mm-hmm. together and you can't be in your present moment. Yep. And and this is sort of my sort of rough understanding of I think what's happening. One of the problems and this is what most meditative experiences throughout cultures and centuries and decades have focused on is to focus on this present moment. You're here right now and how do you live in this? Yeah. We as humans are um, a chain to our future that never happens, right? This is all we constantly worry about. Where's the money going to come from? How's food going to end up? How's yeah. all this stuff going to materialize into our lives? And and I think people who have faith tend to live in this far spectrum, right? They they live in the present moment. People who have deep faith, not as as these individuals that are um, uneducated and just have this 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 belief in something that they can't wrap their heads around. But there's really this deep understanding of something that's beyond them that that mm-hmm. regulates everything that they're going to get. For a lot of people, it's God. For other people, it's something else, divine yeah. energy, spirituality, whatever. I think that what these events do is they help you find that present moment mm-hmm. in whatever capacity you need to. And I think this is where the human excels then, right? This is the evolution of where we need to head. Yeah. The fMRI data that we have suggests that I mean, there's networks in the brain that regulate this this formation of your past and this presentation of what your future is going to be. And by closing your eyes for 35 hours, that network completely disintegrates. It's like Mm. you're on psilocybin, right? Um, To tell someone that all you have to do to create a psilocybin hit is to close your eyes for 35 hours, they think you're nuts. And we have fMRI data to suggest that that's what's happening. Yeah. So it's one of the things that I'm starting to think about, and this goes back to my card-carrying pharmacology days, Mm -hmm. is the mind and the body can create a pharmacology that you need. Right At the primal state of who we are, we have evolved all of these redundancies. Cavemen and others didn't have Viagra and, yeah. and you know Lexapro and all these things, yet they lived and survived and existed in this world. And so the idea is how do you go back to that primal state and these primal drives in our bodies, these, mm. these entrenched systems that are there to help us survive, adapt, become resilient, and how do you engage in them? And I think the mind is the way to do it. Yeah. And on the show, for those that are listening at the moment, you know, you've heard me talk about 
you know, leading into this event and, and a bunch of the work that I've been doing is being able to, as you said before, um, not live in lack and separation and, and imagining something in the future and placing all your happiness and your presence and your, you know, your abundance on when you get there, but being able to step into pure consciousness and the absolute now and feel the actual experience of having these things, these emotions, it might be materialistic things that you want in the moment now. So biologically, your body already has felt the feeling of having it, which is going to attract it a lot quicker and, and also not have you living in separation and lack all the time, which is, is extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, now with the coherent healing, um, before we touch on, on that, I think something that I've I find a lot of the listeners will be interested in is yesterday we looked at some slides with Dr. Joe around, I think it was a picture of a leaf, right? And obviously yeah. this, this applies with humans. We have yeah. a light frequency, which is what gives us the illusion of the 3D version of us, which is our body, which is all the shit on this table. Like it's everything, yeah. right? And with this leaf, once it was chopped in half, the, I'm not too sure what the, how the image is, is created or how, what needs to be used to, to see this light field or this frequency field. But when the photo is taken, the full leaf is still there with the frequency. And this is how, you know, my understanding of with the coherent healing is that we're kind of looking at another human and what their frequency should be in, in, you know, the perfect state and then allowing that light frequency to then transfer across to their 3d body to heal sickness, heal injuries, heal all the rest of it. And for, person that's listening that just wants better headspace it's being able to heal your state of mind and and how you think so i guess what i'm trying to get at is uh can you just give us some more details on exactly what coherent healing coherent healing is and how the process even works because it is pretty mind-blowing so this is this is where it gets fuzzy right Mm. there's science we've created in the last two years that i can wrap my head around and and say this is physically what's happening we Mm -hmm. can create information we can transfer that information i know what that information is and here's the effect it has with these coherent healings and we're starting to develop experiments around this is you have six or so healers sitting around someone who is a healy there's a randomness to how they're picked right Mm -hmm. they have diseases they apply into the program there's not enough space for all of them and they get randomly picked to be a healy and for those listening, like the healers is like I was a healer last night. Yep. So it's not like so it's everyone some, else in the some room crazy that's going person. through the week long. Yeah. yeah, it's not like a messiah that's been dropped down from, right. from the sky. It's like yeah. everyone part of the retreat is the healer. So, yeah. Right. And that's the amazing part is that the healers and the healies have been coexisting for a week together. Mm-hmm. And then you come together and there are synchronicities where sometimes you'll end up with someone who you had lunch with the other day and you randomly come into this room when it's time to heal and you're blindly guided to some circle and Mm -hmm. and somehow the universe finds the person you're supposed to heal, right? And then what happens is these six or so individuals focus their mental energy on healing what they need to heal about this individual. They don't know this person's name unless they can see their name tag. They don't know what's wrong with them. They just know they need a healing. And it mm-hmm. could be anything, right? Yeah. Stage four cancer. It could be anxiety, depression, whatever. You have no information like that. Mm-hmm. You just need to know that they're somehow not whole and they need to become whole. Mm-hmm. And your goal as then healers is to is to somehow connect with that divine energy, that that source, whatever, quantum. Mm-hmm. It, everyone thinks of it as a different thing. Yeah. Um, initially, when I went through this, 
uh, Joe would always say, uh, go into nothing and find the darkness. I'm like, I, every time I close my eyes, I just see light. Say something different. And, yeah. And so for me, it was this notion of it's, it's my mind sees light and energy as energy and not this void and this darkness. And I have a very deep faith background, and mm-hmm. I think that's where it's the light of Christ or whatever yeah. comes through, and that's what I tend to visualize. Um, and so everyone touches this source in a unique way, but now when you have six people touching that raw energy and then somehow channeling that and powering that into this individual, mm-hmm. there's an effective change. And the studies we've done show that these people who are being healed are healed, <laughs> yet it's magic in the room. Right, And so this is where it gets really fuzzy. What the hell is the magic and how do we find it? And mm-hmm. so we're starting to build some experiments to test that. We did, uh, we're starting to do some studies to see if it's ele- electromagnetic energy, if there's a sound wave component to it, if there's an x-ray component. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of ways to dissect this out. And this is where we're headed. And we're starting to involve physicists in our studies as well because I think they're in a, a field that's way beyond where biology is and the biologists need to start catching up. Mm. And then second to that, which if that wasn't mind blowing enough and just for some practicality for those listening, like, and if you're looking into, and if you listen to the episode that I do on the summary this week, it'll make more sense, but connecting to source and, and to consciousness and awareness, like it's getting to the point where you lose track of space and time. Like you, you're, you're losing track of your body. You're not thinking about you as a person. You are thinking of everyone as one, as pure consciousness and, and awareness, which is an awesome feeling and it can be tricky to get to and it's hard to get to the point where you can stay in that state but amazing stuff happens there but the thing that i think is blown everyone away is the um is the non-local like healing so having someone in a completely separate um location having the group of healers either together or even via zoom a a collective group of people who are then doing the exact same process and healing someone who is miles away yeah I mean, it, the way my mind sort of rationalizes in terms of the effect we're observing is information is information, right? Mm-hmm. If you could somehow tap into that, it's going to transfer the way whether you're right in front of it or whether you're thinking of it somewhere else. <coughs> the internet's sort of an interesting example of that, right? I mean, there's people at the other end of the earth doing the same things we are through these, through the, mm-hmm. the air, right? Yeah. And so why isn't this wave possible? Why isn't this frequency yeah that you tap into possible. Um, but then there's no tools to really test that. Yep. And so as a scientist, what we've done is we've done some deceptive experiments to test that mm-hmm. and to see if someone, and, and my nagging suspicion in the back of my head every time I see this data is that it's a placebo effect, right? If someone intends to be healed... And they know it's happening. And they know yeah. it's happening, and they know that this is the type of stuff that happens at a Joe Dispenza event then there's such an energy that's created around this hope and this this faith and this belief that maybe that's what's causing it, which is not a bad thing, right? Maybe there's a placebo molecule. Which but, would then still tie into the fact that they are with the power of their own thought, yes. healing their own frequency, yeah. which if that's worst case scenario, then that's still pretty bloody it's good. It's pr- still pretty <laughs> good. I mean, there's stories where, you know, I was talking to a colleague of mine and he talked about how this one cancer person who was in a clinical trial, um, he somehow got misinformed that he was in the actual study group getting the right compound. Mm-hmm. And his cancer went away. Um, it turns out at the end of the study when they had to close, like undo the blind, they had made a mistake and he was actually in the 
placebo group getting nothing. They had to inform him all his cancer came back. Kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, that is the power of the mind, right? That, that he was not in the right group, yet his mind believed and thought that. I mean, people have done that. Placebo has a 25, 30% effect. If you mm. can convince someone that an effect is going to happen, yeah. their mind will invent and create that effect. And I'm sure there's a biological molecule that does this. What we want to test in this system is, is there a response and an effect that goes beyond placebo? And so we've, we've started to incorporate ways to do this. Yeah. And then this is just backtracking a little bit and then uh, we can wrap up because I said uh, I do want to be mindful of your time. But with the, the other study that I found super interesting and I guess this plays into what you just talked about is when you were doing the healing strategy with no mind or no body. So it was a, it was a, I believe it was a bunch of uh, plasma, was it? Or cells it a bunch in the of lab. Cells, yeah. yeah, cells in the lab. Um, and the healers were literally just focusing on those cells. Yeah. But then you also had, you know, playing into what we just spoke about with the non-local, you had the cells separated and some of those were in a lab in a different location. And the yeah. response was quite similar, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. But on the topic of the, the cancer work that you guys are doing yeah. and looking at that research, um, which is obviously incredibly impactful if that can keep um accelerating through but with a now correct me if i'm wrong and i don't know if this was around the actual cancer cells bit but there was a drug used um and a drug and the drug efficiency sorry was around 30 percent yeah and then when you were able to have uh experienced meditators doing the same thing their efficiency was around 84 percent 84 percent yeah so there's, there's a, a pharmacology that an experienced meditator creates in their blood that is able to have a way better effect on cancer than any drug would, right? I mean, crazy. And all they're doing is shutting their eyes for 35 hours and their body, mind and body creates a, a mixture of molecules. That's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It? And, the, and that I can wrap my head around because I can actually take yeah. physical material from that individual and move it into a cell that's never seen that information and that information creates a behavior in that cell where there's a leap is we can do the exact same thing by having meditators in a room focus on a cancer cell and they're creating the exact same effect that a blood from a meditator would create in that cell so that has to suggest that the information that the mind is creating is not only internalized but it's externalized as well, right? In some form or another. Yeah. Wow. Where do you hope uh, to see things in, let's say, you know, three to five years' time in terms of this research and what you're able to prove and, and hopefully start helping more people? Yeah, I think the goal is to really move this as a way to um, help the medical system. One of the things we're very interested in is um, there's a lot of physician burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Physicians are... Um, they go into the profession to cure disease and help people and do all these things. And they have to go through a long process to train to do this. By the time they get to their patients, they're disillusioned with the world. They're not getting any joy out of this. They're pushing paper around. Um, They're not interacting with the people they're supposed to be interacting with to fix disease. Mm. And you saw in the coherence healing, right? I mean, could you imagine a hospital where that's what the feeling is like yeah. when someone goes in? I, and that's where I think we're headed is how do you create 
that amount of joy, love, hope in an environment that then really changes the trajectory of what happens with disease and, and human potential. Mm. I think one of the things that, that is clear is that if you go into an environment that's, that I mean, environmentally dark, um, gray, drabby, sort of depressing, it creates a mood in someone, mm-hmm. right? And if you go into that same environment, but you've got people there that lift that mood and create hope and these kinds of things, it's going to be a completely different outcome. And I yeah. think that it's that energy that you create, and I think it transfers to people. I mean, the, the twin studies and other things we're doing suggest that humans are socially connected, mm-hmm. and I think they're informationally connected now as well, that we share s- stuff. And I don't know how it happens, yeah. but we share it. <laughs> Amazing. We'll, we'll make sure to keep up with your work. And if there's any links, I'll, I'll chat to you after this, if there's any Perfect. links to some research and stuff yeah. I can put in the show notes, uh, that would be really cool for people to have a look at themselves but um appreciate all the work you do um and it's been really cool sitting in on the on the lectures this week and and getting to hear the presentations yeah perfect um and yeah i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes so thanks so much for your time enjoy uh, the rest of the event it's gonna be great yeah it's been amazing it's yeah it's absolutely incredible um yeah it really is. But um, thanks so much for your time. And for everyone who's tuned into this episode, uh, if you've taken some value away, we'd love to hear your feedback. So make sure you take a screenshot of this episode, share it on your social media, or share the link with a friend, someone who would also benefit from hearing this. Um, and we look forward to chatting to you in the next episode.